0: good evening welcome to bright lights our weekly podcast about the great achievers here right here in america we're coming to you live from our studio in north minneapolis so welcome like i said uh last week i told you about my grandmother and her uh faith and how she would uh, never fear thunderstorms or anything else no matter how uh, loud the lightning cracked no matter how much the thunder roared no matter how much rain it was no matter how dark it got she just went on about herself a uh, business with confidence and faith and you know i uh she passed it on to me but you know i and i told you also that she had read the bible uh from uh genesis to revelation every book Every chapter, every verse, every word, at least four times, and she was just a strong lady. And one of these days, I'll share with you some things that, for those of you who poo-poo faith and religion and spirituality, I will share with you some stories from my grandmother that make you might make you think twice. And keep it in mind that all my life I've been one of those STEM people—science, technology, engineering, and math—and very logical. And I was always doubtful of some of the things that. Uh, she was talking about but I'll just say this there are some things in this world that defies the laws of physics Uh, and I don't want to get too deep in here as you probably know this the theory of relativity uh, that uh, explains uh, time and space from the beginning up until now uh, at the non subatomic level and then for those of you, and once again, not to get too technical, at the subatomic level, we get into quantum physics and all the rules of the theory of relativity go out the window. And some of you might know that Einstein spent a lot of time and, and even uh, physicists now are trying to come up with a unification theory, that tie, one, one theory that ties both the subatomic uh, ways of, of physics with the uh, non-subatomic physics, and they're looking for this unification uh, theory. And, you know, uh, being a man of faith, I'm thinking God is that unification theory <laughs> that that ties that together. And once again, it's just past man finding out. Now, now uh, I talked about my grandmother, her faith, and even I, I just have a daily Type of song I listen to every day. And I ask all of you to go out and buy this song. It's called uh In the Middle. And it's by Isaac Carey. Go out to Apple Music, go out to Spotify. Once again, uh In the Middle. It talks about, you know, praising God as all the stuff is going on while you're in the middle of all kinds of things. So uh check that out for a while. It's so brave. And as I was saying, our guest this evening is Mr. Ace Juru. Ace is from the country of Oromia, and he's part of the uh, Romo community this year in the Twin Cities in America. We're going to talk about some of the things that uh, he's been going through. Uh, and, of course, every week, uh, first of all, uh, if you want to subscribe or order Bright Light merchandise, uh, go to my website, LaceyJohnson.com, and you'll be able to do that and support what we're doing here. Now you know that every week uh, on this podcast, I do a little weekly review. Uh, I did a, I attended a couple of memorial services this week. Uh, one for uh, Daryl DJ Well Jr., and I told you about that's the son of my neighbor who was a victim of some of this crazy. Uh, results from this conversation about defunding the police and all the lawlessness that's going on here. And, you know, and talking, and I, I, I'm blessed to have a diverse set of neighbors, and uh, my, uh, she calls herself this white liberal neighbor was telling me the other day that the, her friends out in the suburbs just don't understand what's going on here. And I know I got some family members out in the suburbs that they just don't understand here. They don't understand that this is a whole new uh, situation to deal from anything like we've seen in the past. And another interesting thing about my white liberal neighbor, that's what she calls herself. Uh, I mentioned to her uh, that the, what's going on here in Minneapolis is going on in Portland and a lot of other cities. And surprisingly, she indicated to me she didn't know what was going on in those cities. So uh, that's the sad part about it also, because what we're seeing here is going on in other cities all across the uh, country. And it's part of a whole pattern. And if people don't know the pattern and they're not able to connect the dots, and I guess that's one of the reasons they keep electing these people in all these cities, because they're not connecting the dots. Uh, also, I attended a memorial service for Colonel uh, Muau. Uh, he's a colonel uh, in the Hmong community. He served under uh, General Vang Powell. Uh, Those of you who are familiar with the Hmong community here, you know General Vang Powell was just a hero. He fought aside the Americans in the South uh, East Asian War during the Vietnam uh, War era, uh, Laos uh, citizen. An interesting thing about it, uh, what's going on, what we're seeing here uh, on TV with uh, Afghanistan, there was a similar situation uh, when we uh, 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 exited uh, South Vietnam and seen people scrambling to get on planes. And, and we had boat people and things like that. But let me say this. I have never, ever seen anything like what's going on here in Afghanistan. And it's inexcusable. Uh, It should not have happened. And here's the thing. Uh, Those of you who know me, I normally have a different perspective and take on things. What I am disappointed about is our, quote-unquote, press media journalism because if they were doing their jobs and and there were people on the ground in Vietnam that was reporting the truth back to the American people, they wouldn't let politicians spin it. But now in this dysfunctional media environment, this dysfunctional journalism environment, this dysfunctional press environment, where press takes sides and they don't challenge the people that's on their side. Uh, If they were doing their job, This would have never happened. We'd known ahead of time. And they would have challenged the current administration when they were out there giving misleading information, when there was miscalculating things like that. And really, I'm going to say to our press, our journalists and stuff, lies are in your hand uh, when you either report or do not report the truth. So I will leave it at that. It's just a failure of the press as far as I'm concerned. And now they're going like, oh, it's me. And how did this happen? When really, I'll say to our press you need to first look in the mirror and see whether or not you were doing your jobs because you had journalists over there in Afghanistan which could have been telling the American people the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth because you're in the bed with certain parties that you refuse to do that. So that's all I have to say on that. Okay. As promised, I got uh, a member of the Oromo community here in the Twin Cities as my guest this evening. And it's time to bring on Mr. Ace Giroux. Uh Welcome to Bright Lights, Ace. Good to see you. Good seeing you, Lacey. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, you're more than welcome. Well, Ace, before we get started... I really love that uh, jacket you have on. Why don't you give explain to me? Is, is there any significance to it?
1: This is the uh, this is the Oromo Republicans jacket. The Oromo Nationals, the Oromos that seek true freedom, no fake liberal freedom, Lacy. This is what it represents. Rating green is our flag. It's our national flag. The Democrats wear rating green too, but they don't believe in it.
0: I see, I got you there.
1: Why they wear it makes no sense to me, but they believe in it. Uh, they don't believe in it, but they wear it.
0: And is that something that uh, I need special privilege if I wanted to wear those? Or is that something I can go in and, 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 and buy it off the rack or get fitted for and have a tailored version of it,
1: Oh, uh, This, we we'll give it to all of our friends okay. who like Oromo Independence. Anybody okay. that is not for Oromo Independence is not our friend. Therefore, they don't get this special jacket. Okay. Well, but we're going to support Oromo independence. I know if you go to the U.S. Congress, I know you would support Oromo independence. I would have given you this, Lacey, if you want. Oh, well, I'm
0: going to try to figure out a way you would give me one anyway, Ace. But we're going to talk about Oromo independence in, in a second here. But before we go there, let's start off by I know... That you and members of the Romo community uh, met with, I think, uh, Mayor Jacob Fry uh, right. this week. Uh, what was the objective of your meeting, and how did it go?
1: Well, the, we have uh, a lot of corruption in our community here. A lot of uh, business scams going on in our community. There are individuals going around the community saying, "I'm a real estate expert, and I'm going to make you a millionaire," and invest with me and they'll get down payments from people and then they don't add their down payments into it and then they'd be part of the business so we shared the stuff like that that was going on in our community and, and we also talked about just generally what uh or most we need in minnesota here okay
0: and did the Unfortunately, mayor we didn't
1: have enough time to get all of our points across and it was it was a quick meeting. We were we were hoping for a longer meeting, but it was it was too quick.
0: Well, it's beginning to sound like it was a photo op almost <laughs> uh, Ace, yeah. but maybe I don't I don't wanna characterize it uh, as that because I don't know. Uh, I'll leave that up to you. But uh did you get the feeling that you're gonna see any results out of this meeting? Because that's my bottom line, is meetings and stuff. That's to me, I've been taught meetings and things like activities. They're not achievements, and what type of, of achievements do you think you're gonna uh, get out of uh, meeting with the mayor, Our honorable? I, I call him. The mayor
1: left left us in uh with a with a positive note that he okay good, for, good that he would look into it. Okay, and I I hope he'll look into it. So
0: okay, excellent. Now let's get into some background of you and the areas of East Africa that you come from. Uh, the country of Rome Aram, uh, tell us about uh, Romeo. I know there's some independence going on there, where you're trying to uh, fight for your independence from Ethiopia. Uh, why don't you touch on that a little bit for us, Ace?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm uh, Ezdrew from East Africa. Came to the U.S. back in 2000 from the killing that started in 1991 in Ethiopia basically every 30 years, they prosecute third world uh, populations, populations, especially population with the biggest uh, numbers. That's the one that gets prosecuted the most because that's the one that can like truly be the majority when it comes to democracy. They're going to win every election to make sure that they don't win any election to make sure that like they kill uh, democracy. So the bigger population gets eliminated the most. So when it comes to Africa or the second biggest next to nigeria in terms of population so being one ethnic blood with 60 million population nato doesn't want to see 60 million population of oromo from east africa ever ruling any country so because of that for this hundred years we've been basically struggling with a small minority that doesn't produce anything because they get unlimited supplies of guns and bullets and we basically struggle with a small minority region that don't even have a farmland. They got no food, they got no factories, they got nothing. Because they are willing to slaughter other Africans and ship away natural resources out of that region, they get to rule the majority. So that's what we were, we were on and that's how I ended up in America back 1991 basically nato and the u.s came over there beat the life out of Oromo, somalis basically everybody else in that region that got a population after that they gave us a visa to come to the u.s not all of us of course you know they only give you know like 0.05 percent so that in the global stage that we look like immigrant welcome in nice country after we beat the life out of them Ah. basically that that's what happened to us basically that's how we end up coming here
0: so The first time we had a dialogue, uh, what caught my attention was uh, your perspective of this international money and power Mm -hmm. chess game and how it impacted East Africa. Now, having said that, you just mentioned NATO and its uh, desire not to have... A, six, a nation of 60,000 or And I'm curious, why is that? Now, keep it in mind, I'm asking that from the perspective of even if you have a nation of 60,000 or Romo, they can still get to the leaders and get what they want. But is there more to it than that? Why specifically they don't want a nation of Romos?
1: So if you have... If me, as Drew, becomes the Prime Minister of Ethiopia, I'm going to let those 60 million or almost eat. I'm not going to starve them. Mm -hmm. But if you take somebody from Tigray region, which is only 3 million population, you make him the Prime Minister of Ethiopia, he's only going to feed 3 million people. And the rest of the resource, he's going to ship it out. Uh, that was the trick to it. Okay. If I have 60 million people backing me up, I'm going to have a confident and I'm going to serve them. Right. right. I'm not going to worry about losing power. Okay. But only if you have 3 million people, the only thing you can cling on to to survive is the guns. And that person can only live through guns. Okay. They that- can only live through population. So... Based
0: on what you're saying, uh, it sounds like it's going to be a great challenge to uh, win your independence. I think you indicated where you where you think you are in that fight for independence. Uh, where exactly do you think you are in that fight for independence, and what are the odds that it's going to uh, bear fruition?
1: Unfortunately, this is what gives me like uh the most unfortunate feeling that the west after killing each other for so long has figured out to say we're gonna fight in team we're gonna call ourselves nato war against one of us is war against all of us so they stopped the killing of the west like that Mm -hmm. the arabs also made a pact although isis is is a brand new thing because other countries were afraid to call themselves isis but under the table they're all assisting isis but that leviton thing where about 12 13 14 arab countries have always fought together so they were able to survive and maintain their power second place Next to the west or next to Europe. They were able to maintain their power in second place Then that brings us to everybody else who goes by the name of either third world or a second world I'm from third world Africa the entire thing is basically third world except uh, South Africa So in this third world we are not allowed to do research and developments. That's one way to keep you down. You cannot name me one third world country that produces bullets. As soon as any leader wanna achieve that or do any of that stuff, they'll get eliminated.
0: Okay, so you're indicating that NATO play an important role. Can I can I, I close on that question? Huh? Yeah, yeah, please. Uh, huh?
1: So until African countries, at least 10 of them, 12 of them, make a pact, then say war against one of us. Is war against all of us, just like the Arabs did it, just like the West and East did it. If Africa and Asia doesn't do that. Africa and Asia or third world in general were never gonna win any war. Because one country cannot win a war. It's been over a hundred years now since one country is not able to win a war. So you gotta fight in teams, and these third world countries got to make a team. So in Africa now we have African Union. These African leaders cannot sit and have a meeting without a NATO member being present. So that's where the game over for Africans and all third world in general. So,
0: I mean, the obvious question for me is what would happen if the uh, African leaders say, we want to hold a meeting and we don't want you in this meeting NATO, what
1: happens? They can't say that because every single African leader is a puppet.
0: Oh, okay. That That was the problem. Okay. They're not going to say it.
1: All the real leaders are, they all have rebel uh, soldiers. Right, right. So they cannot come to a meeting in one uh, specific like auditorium or gathering spot since they're all rebels and they are all registered as a terrorist, you know, every right, every right. rebel leader worldwide is registered as a terrorist.
0: So once again, uh, going back to this global chessboard of power and money, it sounds like fundamentally there's an infrastructure in place in order to uh, put leaders in position where they are really puppets, like you say, uh, where is the hope for the future then, Ace? Uh, is there, I mean, where where do you see hope at? Uh, because, I mean, most of us on the outside looking in at Africa, we hear and see, well, we could, well, let's be honest, dysfunctionality. And we see a continent full of great natural resources, but we see people constantly struggling and starving so once again where do we look to uh for or who do we look to for a brighter future
1: i say you would look into cultures and also also i say you look into technologies culture would never change every human being at the end of the day is gonna either develop a new culture or or hold his old culture. We wanted these cultures to be about real freedom, like a a true independence, and instead of promised liberal democracy. With that, I believe the future generation, you can see it, the way Nigeria is constantly challenging the government, like every third world government, has been in challenge basically since the so- social media became like worldwide events or w- worldwide tour that somebody can get access to. So sharing of information is changing people's uh, mentality and culture. Americans are saying with our tax money don't you know support dictators. So these challenges, I believe, and, and the next generation, American population itself will hold the American government more accountable in terms of going abroad and just ruining countries and just leaving the country anytime they want to leave or like what Joe Biden is doing to Afghanistan. All these things are culturally becoming a change. Like people actually care about other countries. Now they get to see it on TV and they get to see these horrific pictures of women and children getting hurt in these wars. And your own citizens are uh, gonna challenge your own government in the the future.
0: I I think that's a good point. I think you remember the whole Arab Spring uprising and right. Egypt and stuff, and the the key role that social media uh, played in that whole movement. Do you see a similar uh, role of technology and social media as far as, uh, for lack of a better way of putting it, uprising on the continent of for Africa? Sure.
1: It does happen over and over on the continent of Africa. Okay. But the problem about Africa is, the problems of Africa, the West will never amplify When a protest, a big thing's going on in Africa, government is being challenged in Africa. Right. They'll cut your social media. They'll cut your face, Facebook. They will support that dictator. But in a country like, like Egypt, where there is, when you're uh when you're a second world country that means you know there's there is enough education you know there's enough educated citizens in there there's enough technology in there so they're never gonna stop like pumping into the world informations videos it videos quality videos capturing every killings doing documentaries second world countries can afford that but the first Uh, Third world countries, they can't afford that. When these brutal wars going on, it just stays in the dark. And CNN will do one documentary every six months, and they'll do that liberal documentary. 100 people died, and CNN will come up saying like, oh, 10 people died. Some people are even disagreeing. It wasn't even 10 people died. You know, they will do these kind of reporting to constantly support the dictators. They were constantly under-report. Right.
0: So, most of us are familiar with the uh, censorship of Mm -hmm. big tech and social media here uh, in this country. Well, a lot of us are. Some of us aren't. Uh, What you're saying is that the same thing is going on uh, in Africa, and this is a pattern across the world. And Ace, who do you think is behind this worldwide big tech social media censorship based on your understanding of the worldwide chessboard of power and
1: money as the liberal globalist. Okay. Okay. And the they're uh, globalists mm-hmm. on the world internet. They own major world trade routes and although they the only reason they the only reason they would use this I'm a liberal globalist is only to pimp people they're not truly uh globalists with a good intent and goodwill. Right. They're hiding behind the, the guise of kindness And they're going to go pimp the world. So these globalists, they don't want to see any borders. Mm -hmm. They want to use every open water. They want their ships to flow free. And they will be the richest folks mm -hmm. in the world at the expenses of all of us.
0: Well, Ace, I'm quite sure that you have been accused of uh, being a conspiracy theorist, or somewhere down the line for the views that you just expressed, what do you? What's your reply when people say that to you?
1: Well, you know that criminal peace award—they call it the Nobel Peace Award. Mm-hmm. I call it a criminal peace award. Every person they give it to from third world, either they're promoting him to become a prime minister so he can slaughter population, hiding behind the kindness of a world peace award winner. The Myanmar lady, she slaughtered Myanmar like that after they gave her the peace award. The Ethiopian Prime Minister, they told us he's Oromo. Oromo population said, no, no, he's not Oromo. We cannot verify him being Oromo. And the Amara said, you know, he's... The mother is ours, but we don't know where his father is. Nobody knows who this man's father is. And he got the Nobel Peace Prize, and he started this brutal war in East Africa after taking that award. He delayed election... For a whole year, a year later, Ethiopia had election, only his party ran. Nobody else ran, just his party. And all the positions are in jail. To this minute, like right now, they're in jail. All the Romo leaders are in jail. So- celebrities get killed. Liberal leaders go to jail. All the celebrities and all the conservatives, they get killed. Wow, but They put the Liberals in jail because liberals are not really a threat to this oppression.
0: So. so so once again, what we're saying is that there's hope that it's gonna technology and social media and just visibility of what's going on uh, will move people's heart to do something about it. Let's do this, Ace. Let's segue to some of the issues that you have discussed to some of the issues that are current issues that are near and dear to the hearts of Americans. Now, first and foremost, Uh, you've been seeing the same uh, images that the world has been seeing on this uh, exit in afghanistan what is your view of what you're seeing and i'm quite sure it would expand upon uh my view and the view of uh, many people here in america so what's your view when you see what's going on in afghanistan what are some of the things that come to your mind
1: the same thing my more population dealing with is what afghanistan is dealing with so right before I answer this question, I'm gonna close on my previous one regarding the Ethiopian prime minister and his election. Mm-hmm. So his election on his election day, a month ago, I lost my Facebook and I lost my channel, I lost everything to to now I can't even get access back to it. So on that Ethiopia's election night is when they banned my uh, Facebook account. Those are the globalists protecting fake election in Ethiopia. And everybody got guns in uh, in east africa now particularly in ethiopia they're all funded with guns and they're all eliminating each other that brings exactly to the point you're, you're just asking me about afghanistan the war in ethiopia and the war in afghanistan stopped at the same time the 1991 war the one that stopped in 1990 both of them by 1992 it completely came to an end fully stopped both of these countries they fought a 10-year war before that a civil war style in both of these country the Soviet Union got involved because the Soviet got involved NATO and the US got heavily involved too now when Russia leaves Afghanistan goes back to Their conservative ways Basically, they go back to their Afghani ways But the West won't allow them to have that And they're not gonna let it go either That's why this war will never end And it's not gonna end in the future To make that uh, To make that case, uh, um, I want to highlight the history of Afghanistan's government Before 1824 when India and all Asia side gets colonized by British right three times in 1800s early 1800s England went to war with Afghanistan three times and they were not able to colonize them from 1824 to to 1926 this is 98 years Afghanistan Government is called Emirates of Afghanistan. Basically, empires of Afghanistan. So they were running conservatively, they were running their society. They were living for 98 years. And then came 1926. This is after World War One. And in uh, England is still out there controlling many countries and the U.S. is expanding everybody's expanding and the liberal ideology is coming live right if you work with the Western countries you're going to be more successful so leaders started working with Western countries you know to beat up their own co- competitors so there is this man Muhammad Shah from 1926 through 1973 Kingdom of Afghanistan Is the name of the government that is 47 years and this man ruled it as a liberal working with the West before this this society ran for 98 years they ran their conservative ways and suddenly this guy come dealing with the West and changes everything they do of course they're gonna get upset and Guns and everything is coming from the West, and at the time, back in uh, 1926, there weren't that many guns. His own cousin, Muhammad Khan, a conservative Afghani, overthrows him. After 47 years, that guy ruled. This conservative guy overthrows him, but he was only able to keep the power only for five years until 1978 because the West is coming back and helping and they're bringing back a liberal if a liberal is leading a country he's gonna fail his citizens other countries gonna make the benefit of this Afghanistan so from 1978 through 1992 with the help of the West they demolish Afghanistan's conservative government again and they create a liberal government from 1978 to 1992. And this is a chance for Russia to slide in. Every time Afghanistan becomes a liberal, Russia and somebody else who doesn't like this liberal ideology gets invited. So let me ask you this, Ace, and not to cut y'all.
0: The point that you made about uh the West never given up on the prize of changing Afghanistan. It seems to to me that you're saying, even after twenty years and trillions of dollars, uh, and the exit the way that it's happening right now, there's a chance that the we're going to do this all over again. Is that all over basic- again? Okay.
1: It's going to repeat. Okay. So. So let me close this, because the conclusion is going to make sense. Okay. So we're at, we're at 1992, right? From 1978 to 1992. When the West creates a liberal Afghanistan government, Russia slides in. Because all the conservative Afghanis are going to invite anybody who doesn't like that, right? Anybody who can be their friends. So the Russia comes in, and that brutal war keeps going 1992 you know russia russia collapsed in the 90s everything so by 1992 they establish another conservative government from 1992 through 1996. again it's only four years that this thing survived
0: right let's try that's to wrap it up one. quick uh, uh, go ahead I, I don't mean to rush it but i'm thinking the audience here go ahead keep that's
1: I, I'm, right i am gonna make it fast okay <clears throat> And then from uh, 1996, right? So 1996 through 2001, they create another liberal organization. While this liberal organization gets created, what are the conservative, the the Afghans that want their country? What 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 are they thinking? They're thinking about revenge on America. So that's how they land on 9/11, right? So after 9/11 we beat these conservatives and we put in 2004 we put in the current afghanistan government to this day that's supposedly existing until a month ago when he ran out right so they established islamic republic of afghanistan right it's a liberal government they were established in 2004 now that brings us to right now yes so this time they created seven government almost in 200 200 years uh to two, uh 200 years right from 1824 to now to 2021 they created government seven different times in afghanistan it's not like the us where you know you just get somebody gets reelected the same government system you know transition mm-hmm, to the new mm-hmm, elected mm-hmm. person right it's not like that in afghanistan it's, it's a brand new clean government after 30 years 40 years of war so you can see The only time conservative Afghanis had a government was back from 1824 through 1926, where they had it for 98 years. After that, the Liberals had it for 47, the Conservatives had it for five, then the Liberals had it for 12, the Conservatives had it for four, then the Liberals had it for five, then the Conservatives had it for only like one year. And then the Liberals had it since 2004. Now, the conservative just took it, I guess. Right. And so uh, you can see here that they're not getting their government. Like the population of Afghanistan, every time they seem to get the person they want outside influence, don't want that person they're picking. Right. So the war will never stop. It's the gun versus the population. I got now, this. Now, mm-hmm. this is the closing, Lacey. This is the, where the closing comes. Now, this is a tribal war right at the same time there's a country underneath the country there's a tribal competition or in this in the case of america there will be like state competition like if there's a mega countries coming out war against america you know california is gonna you know trying to be their own country you know they already tried to be their own country when trump won and they didn't (laughs) accept that right Mm -hmm. so afghanistan has 34 states or 34 provinces right
0: out of, these 34, so. uh-huh.
1: mm-hmm. out of these 34 it seems it seems except everybody's like partying dancing with talibans except one 33 of them seems like they're dancing with the talibans and they're happy to see talibans coming and establishing a government on them but there is one state Panjshir, this state challenged the Soviet too This is the number one ally of the West, right? So the leader of that state says, you know, West, give me the guns. I'm ready to, you know, eliminate the Talibanis. But Uh CNN and everybody else, the media are not letting us know whether this guy is getting help or not. I'm pretty sure he's going to get help and the war will continue.
0: What's the state and what's the guy's name?
1: Uh, Ahmad uh, Massoud is his name. But Mm. the interesting part is the vice president is from his state. Right. Right? Saleh is the vice president. The vice president Mm. is from this Pancher state. The president, Ashraf Ghani, like Dr. Ashraf Ghani's name, Mm -hmm. he fled the country to Dubai, right?
0: If you say so, okay. Yeah, Uh he's in Dubai right now. Right.
1: He's in Dubai. So the vice president fled to his estate where the talibans are not there they're ready to resist this war right right so now here is the closing you ready yeah yes i'm ready for the
0: closing here
1: this is what we do to third world uh, lacy it takes a, a person at age 35 to be a leader of the country to be the backbone of the country right at 34, mm-hmm. you have a lot of energy. You went to school, you work. You have work experience. You know, that's why they said the US president should be 35 years old or older, right? They put the senators too around 32, right? Right. So third world country will have to go through a civil war every 30 years. Okay. Now. When they go through civil war every 30 years, Their kids will never recover from this thing. Right. For the next 30 years, these little kids growing up will never recover from it. But the new babies will recover by the time they get 35 years and another war will start. That's why we, the Oromo people, have war, civil war. That's why Afghanis have a civil war. And America is not stupid. And Joe Biden did not make any stupid mistake. they're creating a perfect war for our Arga- for afghanis to eliminate each other once afghanis eliminate each other for about nine months or one year we would just go back to afghanistan there are not many men left over there and it's easy to control or tame or keep afghanistan down for another 30 years but when okay. all these little kids grow up and become a man at 35 right. we will set them up again for another great civil war in ethiopia lacy for 30 years in diaspora inside africa we were not able to get guns right now for almost guns, everybody got guns and all these black men okay. in east africa will slaughter each other for three years okay After so last year's to that- uh-huh. We we're simply going to just send over the UN and everybody and we will establish a liberal uh-huh. government and this liberal government will run for 30 years and uh-huh. the population will be screwed for 30 years. And right. when those kids are growing up and they're ready to take over the country, we set them up for a great civil war again.
0: Uh, okay, so Ace, let's pivot to some local issues here. Uh-huh. And I really, really appreciate the international detail level. Uh, we talked a little bit about the whole police situation here, is that impacting the Aromo community and how do they feel about uh, defunding the police and police reform?
1: Coming from Africa, Lacey, you you know, we don't believe in police in Africa because they were not real police to begin with. They only work for a dictator government. Even then in Africa, you still need a police to have a society. So without a police, we cannot have society. And we also understand that there's just that 1% running up of the police, the few racist police officers in there are ruining it for the 99% of the police officers. We also understand that. Our country is such in a big, big war. When it comes to policing or minority issues in America, we, the Oromo people, we share it. With everybody, we won't. We don't look at it like this is uh, gonna affect only Oromo people and whatnot. When George died, we all just, as a color people, we all just go support that side of the that side of the issue, because it affects all of us at the same time. But we don't look at it the police issue as a as a an especial issue that would affect the Oromo people, but we do believe in. We do believe in having police to have society. Without a police, we cannot have society.
0: So have you seen
1: the crime
0: increase in your community as most communities have here locally?
1: I do see it on the news and whatnot, uh, crime uh, increasing a lot. Mm -hmm. When it comes to a remote community, we stay out of it like we, because we come from a country where we don't need to depend on the Ethiopian government, when we come to America too, we do depend on the government. If you do need to depend on the government, but we're one of those uh, communities that try to do their best on their own without too much looking into the government.
0: Well, as a a political conservative, I can understand that viewpoint. Uh, Let's talk about the business environment in the, Oromo community here locally what type of, well first of all before you go there what's what's the population of the Oromo community in the twin cities here in the metropolitan area
1: since 2013 45,000 has been constantly repeated okay and so it's probably at, between 45 000 to 50,000 now
0: and i understand there's a, a bond or relationship with the somali community here there's at least some type of uh familiarity. explain the relationship between the oromo community here and the somali community here and what's that whole situation like
1: uh, we have a tight relationship Oromos and in somali we, we we feel a lot of our problems are the same the okay. reason we're oppressed is not because ethiopia got any technology or anything the only way we can we can get our freedom is if we get the blessing from NATO now. Oh, because, okay. You know, and, Ethiopia, Tigray, Amaras, these are... Uh, if NATO just gives us a break for seven days, right? we can get independence of Romea on the fifth day. So and have a party for NATO on the seventh day.
0: <laughs>
1: That's a good way of putting it.
0: So if you combine the Oromo community with Somali community, population what do we what are we talking about here a hundred thousand or 120 thousand or so what, do you know uh, ace
1: somalis they claim hundred thousand on their own so okay okay so We're almost claim 45 to 50 so 150.
0: okay uh and where how are you approaching the upcoming elections here locally do you uh, are you supporting one slate or one philosophy or one set of issues uh, just give our audience some understanding of uh, where you're aligning yourself politically and what are the key issues that you're looking at
1: I look for a candidate who is looking to make less rules I like candidates who would like to deregulate the many rules. I believe every single rule made is to take away freedom. Every single of them. When they're made, is to take away freedom. I don't want all the rules to be eliminated, but there's plenty of rules that I would like to see eliminated.
0: Well, Ace, name me one rule that you see right now that you say, I just wanna see eliminated and we don't need the government is setting up a rule like this. Give me your one main one. If you had to pick one rule that Ace as mayor, uh, uh, even mm-hmm. dictator of Minneapolis would get rid of, what would it be that one rule?
1: The one rule? Mm-hmm. When we do these government paperwork, I know they give you a choice. This is, I know they give you a choice not to market, but I wanna, I wanna, especially at these government service places, stop marking identities. Don't ask me whether I'm black or white when I go when I come to get service.
0: That's a good point.
1: You know, That's I don't good. want I don't want to, I don't want a government to define any human being. As soon as the government define it, and I can get to use that thing and be racist with it. Right.
0: Uh, that's a very good point. So we're at the uh, end of our show here, Ace. And I always give our guest an opportunity to bring up a, an issue that I, as the imperfect <laughs> uh, host, and often not smart enough to think of all these things, uh, what is the one issue that I did not bring up that you would like to address? The one issue, brief, brief, Briefly, Ace. <laughs>
1: yeah, the one issue that bothers me the most is that, you know, dnc you know the the whole american liberal the left is bothering us too much the new immigrants new immigrants are predominantly conservatives if you don't work hard if you don't like to move around if you don't like to seek opportunities you usually cannot make it to the united states of america so mm-hmm. why is america's republican party not talking to minority communities trump did it that's why i supported him but if any other conservative comes up like i'm gonna have a really really hard time supporting you know because they're just not gonna come to our community okay and the democrats will come at least during the election time they will come to collect some votes but the Republicans got to go to the minority and the blacks and all minority communities. They got gotta, to they gotta put the boots on the ground. Why are they not doing that, Lacey?
0: I do not understand either. They're either not uh, prescient enough or forward-looking enough. And I think a lot of times it's that they're not comfortable enough coming in, which uh, conference level have a, a lot to do with uh, knowing the people of that community. And, and you have to know people in these various communities on a personal level. I think uh, a lot of times where, and I, I generally get support across the board, whatever effort that I do. And that's because I have been blessed with the opportunity to work with people close up across the board and to go into their homes and to talk to them. And understand uh, their feelings and the issues that's important to them uh connecting with people uh it's a person in person type of thing and once again it's something that you have to it has to be a way of life right you know it can't be a tour or something like that and i think in a lot of cases that is the issue uh and once again uh if you of the other party uh You got uh, all the momentum on your side as far as media narratives and everything, and uh, it makes, well, let's face it, uh, we were talking about the uh, media and the press and journalism earlier, how they take sides, and I I don't think anyone would argue that the majority of the press and journalists are uh, on the Democrat side, and it's always been that way. And just now they are getting even more bias in their reporting. And so uh, when a Democrat goes into one of these communities, uh, the press and the media and pop culture and the educational system has already laid out the welcome mat. Right. And so you have to overcome the fact that there's no welcome mat for you. And the only way you get around that, once again, uh, you have to historically... Go into these communities, and, and and I suggest you have to have a servant-like attitude towards it. You're not going into these communities for any type of strategic reason. Uh, you're going into these communities because you know and care about the people, and you know and care about all people, and you see the potential there, and you know enough to understand that uh, most of uh, people, and this is this has been my experience in dealing with all these communities. Just like you say. Uh, A lot of them have an entrepreneurial spirit. I don't care what immigrants they are and that you have to understand that and realize that and really promote that. Now, having said that, based on what you just said, uh, it sounds like the same game where they come in during election time and and they tell you how much they love you and then they disappear for four years. So that's that's what's generally how it works and how it goes. But once again, we have to find a way to overcome this, and right. it's going to be a challenge. Uh, you mentioned social media role. Uh, I'm just disappointed uh, that the potential of social media to create intelligent dialogue and bring us together uh, have been, has been overcome by this screaming, yelling match, and calling each other names and, and personal attacks and things like that. But once again, I'll end my broadcast uh, as I began it. Uh, Being a man of faith, uh, you believe that with patience and understanding that we're going to turn this thing around. And so somewhere along the line, uh, and the way democracy works and the way human nature works, we're going to have to really screw things up to make us stop and think about what we're doing, how we're relating to each other. And I was just thinking the other day, uh, during the civil war, uh, when, and it's a biblical too, when Abraham Lincoln was talking about a house divided and how all the foreign uh, powers in the world could not bring this country down. Right. And that if this country comes, is brought down, it will be from within. And a big part of it will be because we are house divided. Uh, But at the end of the day, uh, besides just having faith in God, I have faith in people. And I think we will get it right one of these days. I just hope it's not so far gone that we have to spend a lot of time digging ourselves out. So that's my uh, perspective on what's been going on. And I will say to you, Ace, it's been really uh, uh, great talking to you and learning from you the details of how this, like I say, chessboard or chessboard of power and money works. And let's just you and I uh, make a personal place that we're going to keep up the fight and trying to make this a better world, because at the end of the day, uh, it's up to each one of us to get up and look in the mirror and uh, decide whether or not we're trying to make a positive contribution to humanity, uh, whether we are just uh, shedding, shedding very little light and just uh, creating a lot of heat. So once again, let's stay in touch. Ace, thank you for being a guest. Thank you for sharing your ideas. And I tell all of my local guests, uh, we're going to go out and have a cup of coffee or something. But in your case, uh, we're going to eventually get together and have an aroma. Meal together, so thank you very you much, and, and keep up the fight, and look forward to talking to you very soon. For
1: right. sure,
0: thank For you, sure. Ace. Okay, we'll
1: have this podcast in not one of the one of these normal restaurants.
0: Yes, uh, and I'm gonna go out and look uh, Google that this evening. As a matter of fact, and I'm gonna suggest one to you. Okay, For sure. And me and me and, the, me and me and my wife, and you and your wife, we can get together and have a, a continue our dialogue. So thanks, For Ace sure. Juru, you. and uh I'll be talking to you soon. Thank For you, sure. and Take care. Take care. Bye.